Welcome to the Conscious Conversations podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Nick Paladino King. And I'm Nitin Gerg. We are transformational coaches and yogis from the San Francisco Bay Area. And this is a podcast for people looking to take their lives to the next level. Through these conversations, we aim to raise the consciousness of our lives, the lives of our listeners, and the wholeness. So get ready to join us on this great adventure of life by taking a moment to settle in, become fully present in this moment, and see where the journey takes you next. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Nick. And Nathan Garg. We're going to try something new today, new, something fun. We are going to spin, spin the wheel of consciousness. Uh, we've got a bunch of notes around conscious ideas and topics that we've both come up with over the years, and we are going to let the universe decide today uh, what we talk about, what we dive into, and, and where this conversation goes. Uh, we're also going to go in live here on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Um, so we're going to spin it and go from there. Uh, Nitsen, what's, what's alive for you today? What are you... Uh, what are you feeling? What are you sensing? Or uh, how, how are things going over there? Things are pretty good. Um, I think the, the thing that I'm seeing and just kind of sensing into is more folks being able to prioritize themselves. You know, that, mm. I think that theme comes up, has been coming up for me throughout the week. And even as recent as today with a client that I was speaking with earlier today. So that's just something that's been coming up a lot. How about you? That's That's been up a lot lately. I was actually having a conversation with some friends about that yesterday at, at brunch around how, at least here in the Bay Area, it seems like work-life balance has gotten, gotten even more out of control, for lack of a better word, where now that, and you can maybe talk to this more as someone that works for a company at home, it's like, not only are you at home, people at work know you're at home. Mm-hmm. And therefore expect you to respond to work and expect you to respond to requests at all hours of the day. So there's no, there's no, there's no lines between work and home and life. Uh, that, was, that was coming up yesterday. We were specifically talking around, about Slack and how Slack has mm-hmm. created a hyperactivity around that and, and about boundaries. Um, and I was sharing with some friends that I think boundaries is really more so about confidence and self-worth and self-love. And we were actually even talking about making um, maybe like a coaching program for people, how to learn how to create boundaries within Slack. Uh, so that's something, mm-hmm. that's something that's been up for me. And in my own personal life too, I've noticed that with social media, working for myself, I'm always checking it. So I've tried to really stop. And I've even taken Instagram, Facebook off my phone as a way to like protect myself from myself when it comes to overworking and uh, constantly checking emails, you know, media platforms, yeah. things like that mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, folks are sometimes, you know, addicted to just the uh, the stream of messages coming in. And unless mm-hmm. I consciously manage technology, technology ends up managing us or overwhelming us uh, to some degree. That's at least what I've found. In fact, I like that. it makes me think of the, uh, it takes me back almost 10, 12 years when I first started working in you could say, you know, quote unquote, corporate America. And we were lucky at the time that someone actually walked us through how to best use Outlook. Mm-hmm. Even just to start off with, with email. I mean, these days, yeah, we have all these other distractions with our phones and Slack, etc. But even there, we're starting with email. For example, this person taught us some basics of like, hey, make sure when you start your day, 
you don't end up straight in the inbox. There's actually a setting in Outlook that takes you to a sort of your calendar overview day. Mm-hmm. And it would show you the overview of your calendar and any like tasks you may have added to the Outlook tasks list. And it wouldn't actually take you to the email right away. And the purpose of that was like knowing what's on your calendar, like that being the first priority, because this is what you've committed time to. And hey, are there any like critical tasks that are like things I want to get done today before I see email and then just get carried away by it, you know, from the way totally. has messaged me in my inbox. Yeah. I mean, there's some, you know, we could talk about boundaries and we could talk about, I mean, this all day long. And it, I think this is a huge topic right now. So maybe let's run with it for a little, little while. I mean, there's, there's some really cool techniques out there. I mean, the one you just talked about with Outlook, another one that I've used in the past is email batching. And this one pushes a lot of people's buttons. I don't know if you've seen this. This is from the uh, the four hour work week from Tim Ferriss that he, I read this like ten years ago, and he, and he does a chart. And what most people do, like you just said, is they go into work. The first thing they do is check their email, right? They get frazzled. They get they, they're not focused on their task of the day. They'll do a task or something, and then they'll go back to checking their email. And they'll do this 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 times a day. And when you look at the work output, it's like email, 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 work block email, 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 work block, instead of come into work, don't check your email till 11 o'clock, right? So then 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. should be nothing but a work block. Yeah. You're actually doing tasks, meeting with people, pushing things forward. Then from 11 to 11.30, you're allowed to check emails, right? And then the next email block isn't until like 4 o'clock. So really only allowing yourself to check your email twice per day. Uh, and the, the immediate pushback is, well, then people need to reach me. And what I love that he puts in there is that, well, this is about training people to understand boundaries and that email isn't meant to be a messenger service. It's meant to be electronic mail and we've turned it more into chat, right? Yeah. So training people via like auto responders, if you need me to do something, you need to call me. Or if you need me to do something, you need to text me rather than being accessible through email. So I think that's a great thing. I've tried to do it. And even as an entrepreneur, I, fi- I find that hard. But it's it's a pretty rad technique uh, that seriously sets boundaries and makes people way more effective and way more efficient. Um, and then also really deciding the difference between what's important and what's urgent. And those are very different things, right? Because just because something's important doesn't mean it needs to be done right here and now. It could wait until tomorrow. It could wait until next week. So yeah. deciphering between is it urgent and important or is it simply important? And then also, is it not important? And then what doesn't need to be responded to? What can be delegated? These are some serious skills that I don't think a lot of people are, are working because we just live in this world. Yeah. Like everything's important. Everything has to be done right now. Uh, and that's just simply not true. But what's, I mean, what's your take? You're the one that works in, in the corporate world still and is balancing between kind yeah. of the this, this stuff we talk about and being in, you know, in the machine yeah, I mean, um, and what happens is like it, you know, it ends up taking over you. If you end up running with just a, oh, I'm, I jump into email and then I'm just constantly looking at things. And as they come in, I'm responding to them. What you find is like all your other important work is getting deprioritized by this, you know, essentially lack of focus, you could say, mm-hmm. right? Because you feel like, oh, paying attention to email and responding to those messages is so much more important. And same thing, frankly, Slack. I've, I've now applied the same rules to Slack. You know, I don't get any notifications on my phone, especially, well, yeah, actually on my phone, none, zero, unless I go check it. And then on the desktop, it's like, you know, outside of that 
work hours time period, you know, I think it kind of boils down to setting expectations with your with your team members and even your partners, like whoever are the outside suppliers, vendors, et cetera, you might work with to say, if you need to reach me urgently, email is not the method, right? Yeah. You need to call me or text me, and then I know I need to respond. But if you're emailing me or if you're slacking me and I treat Slack just like email, don't expect a response in less than 24 hours. Yeah, love it. I love it. So what I'm hearing there is a sense of like, it's one, a sense of training people too, but also a sense of like setting boundaries for yourself and, and, and creating expectations of this is how I work. And just because you may think that it's important, it may not be to me. And what, you know, I was writing some notes around this yesterday of like creating slacks actually with creating boundaries in Slack. And the things I came up with were one, a sense of confidence, right? Of like, yeah. this is how I work. This is what's right for me. Uh, and then to me that, that brought up sense, a sense of self-worth because I think a lot of times people respond immediately because they want to be liked or they don't want people to be upset with them. And it's like, you've got to be okay with other people not liking you or even more so people being upset with you for not doing what they want in the moment. And that can really help others create their own boundaries. And it can also help other people really up their own skills by saying, oh, Nitin's not going to come and save me. I got to go figure this out for myself. Um, and how do we have a sense of strong boundaries, but also being open at the same time rather than no boundaries and then like resentful and like upset on the inside. I think that's the paradigm shift too that needs to be made. But this is all some notes I made yesterday. I mean, what are, what, what's hitting for you with this kind of like turning Slack off, you know, and, uh, and turning off the, the notifications. This is a huge thing we're working through. Yeah. I mean, uh, to me, it kind of came naturally because that's what I did with my emails as well. You know, like, and I, I've been doing it for 10 plus years where I don't get any email phone notifications or Slack notifications. I, you know, it's actually part of actually becoming a productive leader is to not have your distraction, not have your attention be distracted by these mm -hmm. notifications, right? There's a, there's actually research out there that, out there that says that every time a new notification pops up anywhere, it essentially we lose about two minutes of fully concentrated productivity. Mm. It takes about two minutes to regain if you were in a flow state and actually getting some productive work done. Now you've kind of lost that rhythm. And it's going to take you a couple of minutes to get back. Mm. So it's actually taught as one of the best practices, you know, as you mentioned, like whether it's email batching or whether it's making sure like all these distractions are off when you're doing concentrated work in your, those, those core work slots. Cause otherwise you're just going from one message to the other. And especially for folks that are doing like highly strategic work where you need to be able to think deeply in order to come up with like the next creative idea or like how to really handle this next project or the next stage of the project in a way that's going to position it for success. You can't be just going haphazard in and out. Otherwise, that's what's going to no. happen in work. It's going to be haphazard up and down. Totally. Totally. I mean, there's. it's cool you brought in the sense of like flow state, right? And also the ability to maintain it. And you're getting the flow isn't easy. There's, a, there's so much talk about it now in, in the world. of Oh, you know, you just dive into flow. It's like, that's not how it works. You know, I think you've got to prime yourself to get in the flow. And I know you and I have deep practices that we do every day that are really non-negotiable. I mean, one thing that I do, and, and you could share what you do too here is 
I spend two hours every morning priming myself to be attentive and focused and efficient and also, you know, free and fun and loving. I mean, that that's a process where I wake up, I'm doing a shower with a cold with a, a cold shower, right? Mm-hmm. You know, 45 minutes, an hour worth of meditation, breath work, mantra, um, affirmations, ta- telling myself how I want to show up in the world, and then spending some time to feed myself, to fuel myself, to, you know, see the sun, to give my wife a hug. I mean, and then once that's primed, being ready to focus for the day, right? And I find that it's still hard to stay focused even after doing all of that, you know? And if, if the first thing we do is is go to distractions, I think the I'm a firm believer that the way we start is the way we finish. So if my day starts distracted, my money's on, it's going to continue to be that way and it's going to end that way. Not, I mean, I'm not saying we can't shift trajectory, but yeah. I feel like we've got to do all we can in today's world to set ourselves up for success through being mindful, creating boundaries. And also what I'm hearing from you is like creating systems that we follow that really put guardrails on us. And you're right, the start stopping of focus and attention and of productivity actually costs us way more energy than if we were to just plug in for 30 minutes, do some work, and then take a, a conscious break, check the yeah. phone, get a drink of water, use the restroom, whatever it is, instead of I'm talking to you, I'm on my phone, I'm getting an email. I mean, I'm just like chasing squirrels this all day long. Yeah, you see sure. this constantly in so many people you talk to, right? Like, I mean, I see this even with clients. They paid for a session, they're on a session, yeah. and yet, I can see that their eyes are wandering towards some instant, some maybe Slack, who knows what's going on, mm-hmm. or email or their phone. And, you know, I often remind them like, hey, look, you, you paid to be here. You know, this is time for your growth. If you want to be distracted, that's your choice. You know, you can yeah. definitely make that choice. But if you want to get the most out of this session, you know, I would suggest that you minimize all distractions possible. Uh, and then let's really go deep. Let's let's have mm-hmm. that, you know, rich conversation that's going to unlock some growth and unlocks an insight. Uh, and it's funny how much people are still, you know, sort of bound by all these distractions coming in. Because I think I think at the core of it, at least I feel, we haven't learned how to manage technology for us. Mm-hmm. We were we're essentially I think almost getting used by technology because we sort of have it. Totally. We, we just have it unconsciously around us. People have, you know, watches on their wrists, a phone in their uh, pants, and then maybe they've even got headphones plugged in and all three could be beeping with one message coming totally. in. No wonder people are distracted. Totally, totally. And I mean, no wonder people are unhappy. Mm-hmm. You know, no wonder people are stressed. They're, that's that's all energy pulling us away from being present and being present where fun lives, being present where, you know, flow lives. Um, you know, and it's, I mean, it's, it's amazing. You're right with clients to be like, I mean, think about the self-worth piece. That's what I was thinking as you were saying that. So I'm a client, I'm paying you hundreds of dollars an hour to be with you. And I'm still prioritizing someone else's need over mine in a session that's designed to be for me to up my game. I mean, look, I mean, I talked about self-worth worth and the boundaries. I mean, that is a strong statement. Like I am not as worthy as this person's request even in my time of working on myself. I had someone in one of our tribe virtual programs the other day. There was three or four people working out and I was leading a workout. And one of the, the members kept checking her phone and doing work emails. And, and finally, I actually turned her camera off 
and and in essence put her on timeout because I felt like it was rude to to me. I felt like it was rude to her, and I felt like it was rude to the other members in, in the group that were were paying to be there and to work on themselves. And it was just like, wow, this this person can't even turn off for one minute to focus on themselves. And and I'm not trying to pick on them, but it was a really clear thing of where are your priorities? Where's your value? Where's your worth? And also giving other people attention and giving other people your presence is, I think, really important, especially as leaders, right? I mean, I've been with people where you're talking to them and then all of a sudden, you know, they're looking at their phone and that doesn't feel good. And I'm sure I do it too. Um, I don't, you know, is that how we want to be in the world? (laughs) Is that how we want to show up? Like, well, you're important, but something else is more important. And, you know, there's something around this that, you know, I'm still unraveling. I don't think I've fully understood the layers to it. But, but yeah, let's explore it on this conversation, which is why do people struggle to prioritize themselves? Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what is it that holds someone back from saying, this time is for me. I'm going to dedicate it to myself. I'm going to make sure this time really serves me well, whatever I'm doing. And even starting the day, you know, I often have to remind people of this analogy, which is in our world, you know, we use it often, you know, making sure to put your own oxygen mask on before you do the others. Why? Because if you faint, you can't help your family or whoever your loved one is next to you. Absolutely. Same thing applies in the day to day. So However, we're putting our oxygen mask on in the in the morning, like we talked about our morning rituals. Yep. Right. Same thing for me. I wake up, uh, you know, shower, meditate, uh, actually then go see my family, spend a little bit of quality time with my wife, kids. We cook breakfast together. We might even listen to a song together in the morning. That's something we started recently, you know, just kind of bring that positive yeah. vibe, even if, even if it just might be like five minutes even in the chaos of a four-year-old and a two-year-old. <laughs> uh, uh, your, your kids are pretty good, man. I was, I was impressed. <laughs> they're, they're, they're fun. They are fun. Adults they are. running around. Uh, you know, getting their breakfast put together and then, yeah, then starting the day. You know, once I see them off or drop them a day, kids like, okay, now let's start the day. But each of those moments, right, when I'm with them and making breakfast, that's all I'm doing. I'm not also simultaneously checking my phone. When I'm meditating, I'm meditating and my phone notifications, you know, don't start till 7 a.m. for that reason. Yeah. Whoever's messaging me, whether in India or, you know, because I have family in India and messages can come at any odd times. Like those are the boundaries I've created to be able to keep some sanity. And then starting at 8, 9 a.m. Yeah. Let's dive in. Mm-hmm. But even there, I don't dive in with my phone first. Right. Or email. I actually go to my sort of Evernote to do list where most recently I've started doing, like I actually have a day-to-day task list. You know, I break down, say, okay, if these are the quarterly goals, what do I need to do today? One or two things that are most key. And then if I can get something done that day, it goes to the next one. And I might even put something out there that's like, hey, I know I got to do this on a Wednesday or Thursday. All right, it's in the Wednesday, Thursday list. And so that starting my day, that's what I'm looking at to begin with to say, This is what's most important on this particular day. Then I'll go check email. All right. Is there a critical email here that I need to look at? Is there some critical message in Slack that I need to respond to? I often actually find myself reading something and marking it unread because I'm like, okay, 
good to know. I will take an action, but not now. So I'm going to mark it on red, take a look at it later. Same thing with Slack. Good to know, not going to respond right now on red. And if it's something urgent, then I'm like, all right, do I have the two minutes to respond right now? Let's do it. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like, I've got a meeting coming up. Let's prep for that, you know, or something along those lines. At least that's kind of how my morning starts. And that's how at least I'm prioritizing myself. Because at the end of the day, I want to feel like today was a productive, purposeful day. You know, something meaningful came out of today. It wasn't just me responding to slacks and messages, but it was like, this is the chunk of work that got done today. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I have a coach I work with, Pat Rigsby, his whole thing is win the day, you know? And if you win, if you win the day, and if you do that every day, then consist- consistency creates success, right? So if you, win, if you get one win per day, which would be great, that's 365 wins per year. How much more is that going to move you forward towards your goals, yeah. right? Um, I just lo- and it's so simple, right? And it can be as simple as for today, what's the number one thing that I'm focusing on today? And that if I only did one thing, today would be a win. You, first, you got to identify that. And then come up with a plan to do it and put the other things as secondary, right? Where they, these don't get done until... And what we do a lot of times, and this is when we kind of look at like humans are designed to go for the, the lowest hanging fruit, right? Whatever, we go for the path of least resistance. So instead of going for the big thing that's going to take the most energy or maybe in our yogic words, prana, we go for the 10 little things, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what we would call procrastination. So, okay, I'm going to go through email, I'm going to go through checking Slack. I'm going to go through updating my, you know, LinkedIn post, whatever, all as a way to avoid doing the the heavy lifting, right? And then what we find is a lot of times by the time we get to the heavy lifting, then we're tired. Then we don't have the energy to do it. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, well, it's not, oh, you know, I thought about it. It's not that important. And I think this all goes back to your original question here of like, why are we not prioritizing ourselves? I think there's a lot here to unpack of, it's the self-worth piece, right? Or maybe even a deeper lens, it's, it's, a, it's a desire to be liked and to be acknowledged and be validated. And by creating boundaries, we're telling other people that like, this is who I am. This is how I operate. This is what works for me. This is what doesn't. And that gives people the opportunity to judge us. That gives people the opportunity to be like, well, you know, Nitin wouldn't, Nitin wouldn't do this for me. And you got to then be okay with that, of not being liked, Right and not sacrificing yourself and your self self worth in order for someone to approve of you. You got to approve approve of yourself, mm-hmm. right? And you've got to you've got to validate yourself so that you create a sense of confidence. I mean, one of my one of my clients that I love, she's she's a CEO. She's a great example of how to be a strong, powerful woman who's very successful and and loving. And her one of her lines is, "No" is a full set, sentence. And I'm just, I love it. No is a full sentence. You know, the ability to say no is a superpower. You don't have to be an asshole to say no, right? No, I can't do that. Or no, I'm not willing to do that is a fantastic way to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, why not? Well, I don't have time. This is important to me. This isn't urgent to me, right? And then at least give the person the chance to explain, well, why they think it is and have a conversation instead of saying yes to everything and everyone but yourself. And at the end of the day, being burned out, unfulfilled, and unhappy, and feeling like you've been taken advantage of—that's that's on our ourselves to own and and handle, right? And not make an excuse. And I, the last piece, and I'll shift it to you. It's we like being busy because it makes us feel important. It makes us feel alive. We like to be stressed because it makes yeah. us feel like we are 
we're getting things done, Ooh, which validates our existence. Stuff. Yeah, you know, I got a time. It, validate, it validates our existence. And if we're not doing, then we feel like we're less than because we don't have the ability as a culture to simply be like and feel like I'm enough by being here, putting on my oxygen mask and doing nothing or doing less. I mean, that's what I think it comes down to. It's an addiction to feeling like we have to prove ourselves. An addiction to feeling like we have to be doing in order to have value and self-worth and be a, an active member of society. And that's simply a lie. It's not I true. Think, I think you're onto something because especially that piece around like proving ourselves, uh, which, which takes the form of pleasing others, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and deprioritizing un, probably unconsciously ourselves, ourselves in the process. So you're trying to prove that, oh, I'm responsive. I'm here. I'm a person that's 24-7. I've got the back of the team and I respond at all hours, in all occasions, on weekends, on vacations. Mm -hmm. I'm always on. Like, look at me, what a rock star, you know. Uh, yeah. And in, in turn, what you're doing is you're training your team that, hey, this person has no backbone. They're no wonder it's it's fine. Like, let yeah, let's send them an email when they're on vacation. We we'll know do it. And then you do respond and then like, great, look, you know, we never have to worry about them leaving at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and on, on this person then, you know, maybe, maybe they're just super excited about some, sometimes I, I've seen, you know, like someone is just super excited about the work and they find it hard to unplug. And other mm -hmm. times it's just pure anxiety or, you know, kind of fear of missing out also, you know, uh, even like, even around me and my family is like, you know, we're on vacation and folks are still checking their email, work email. Like, hey, you're on vacation. You don't have a critical deadline going on. There's there's no, you know, big release happening. But still, they're just like, oh, what's happening at work? You know, am I missing something out? Or, you know, they're just constantly used to being plugged in. I've actually, you know, what I'm starting to realize, at least, you know, this this is a perspective that's starting to form for me is like, I think people are doing it to themselves. Uh, it's never outside of ourselves. We're, we're forming, you know, like you were talking about the stories, right? Like, uh, how do I actually, whether it's the, whether it's this fear of missing out or whether it's, uh, you know, pleasing others and being there or feeling that if I don't respond, that I'd be looked bad, you know, uh, maybe yeah. people will look down on me. I think those are all stories we play in our heads because to my experience, I've been setting these boundaries for 10 plus years you know, all, all the various things, whether it's around Slack or email, or I never respond to anything on vacation ever. Mm -hmm. People know it and they know I'm like religiously not here. You know, if they really need me, then they know they can call me. I've never received a call on a vacation. It, nothing's yeah. ever been that urgent yeah. that someone had to call me and be like, oh my God, the house is burning down. You know, can you come? No, it's never, never happens. And we, put ourselves in these mind frames, then make our own life and our, the quality of our life difficult mm -hmm. and get stressed out and get caught in this cycle. Whereas actually on the other end, when you do start to set boundaries, when you do start to prioritize yourself and set some meaningful boundaries, right? So every job is different. Some folks do need to check their email once an hour, you know, for others, it's maybe just morning and evening might be sufficient. So whatever those right boundaries are, but that's what gets you to, you know, earns the respect for you in your team and around yourself. And, and also you lead by example, you show yeah, others. I was just thinking that, you're saying that. 
months. Yeah. Yeah. As, as the leader, especially if you're a manager or director, like you're, you're leading by example and people are watching you and you're setting the tone for the, for the, the way, the culture of, of the company or your business. Right. And you're totally right. And what are you saying as a leader? If you can't let go, if you can't, you know, let other people do things. And as you were talking, I was, I was really hearing the background is this comes down to ego, really. Like you were saying like, oh, I'm the one that, that gets it done. I'm the one that you can count on. I'm the one that'll fix it. Well, that's called ego. That's to me, what I, as you were saying that, saying that, that I'm hearing the sense of like insecurity within the person. And we always think ego is like the, the overconfidence. It's also the underconfidence as well. It's the greater than or less than, and, oh, that's who I am. Well, that's ego. That's called attachment that's going to keep you stuck. Right. And I mean, there's a great line. It's something to the effect of like, I don't know the key to happiness, but I know the key to unhappiness and that's trying to make everyone else happy. You can't do that. You can't, you know, you can't be everything to all people at all times and be the one that you can try, but and those are the people that I've had come to me for the last 10 years for coaching that have gone, okay, I've done everything that I was told. I've gone to the good school. I got the good job. I've checked all the boxes. I got the, I got the dog. I got the picket fence. And I'm fucking miserable. Why? It's like, well, when's the last time you checked in with what you wanted? When's the last time you checked in with how you feel? Like, oh, I, didn't, I don't know. I never, didn't know I was allowed to do that. When's the last time you set a boundary? And I love, this is a teaching from, from my teacher, and I think you've worked with Gene Mazze a little too, is mm-hmm. you can learn to do less but achieve more. And the first time you hear that or the first time I say that to clients, they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? I can do less and achieve more? It's like, yeah, because we've associated being busy with being productive and they're not the same thing. We're mm-hmm. running around like chickens with our heads cut off, checking emails, being on Slack, going to meetings. And at the end of the day, it's like, oh, I was just moving, but I didn't move with purpose. I didn't move in a direction and I'm exhausted and I'm tired and I'm burned out. It's like, well, if you can learn to go back to the original piece to focus within 30 minutes, you can get done a ton of stuff that could have taken you a week, a month, a year because you were too busy being distracted. So you can do less and actually get more done and be more effective and set a great example to your staff and the people around you to even coach up and people will start to go like, I don't understand how this person's getting so much done. They're in a flow. They're taking it easy. They're never stressed. It's like, that's because they're focused. That's because they've got boundaries. That's because they've Mm -hmm. got confidence. Like these are like the secret pieces of being a great leader. I think these like intangibles, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the only way I'm even able to get the work done that I do. I mean, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. I have a full-time job at Intuit, you know, and, and I'm doing, coaching work now and kind of balancing the two, the only way I'm able to take, you know, every other Monday off, because that's what I do to focus on my coaching work is I've got to be super productive in those other nine days. You know, I I have to make sure that every hour I spend is intentional, that it's, you know, like you were mentioning, uh, a lot lot of us were checking off that the easy tasks, Mm -hmm. because it helps, it makes us feel like we're getting things done. And often then at the end of the day, we're like, we checked off all of our easy tasks. We responded to all the emails and slacks. And then we're like, wait, I don't feel like I got something done. Like, the, you know, how many of us have had that feeling at the end of the day, which is like, man, like, where did today go? Yeah. You know, yeah. I often hear that, like, where did today go? It went exactly where you were spending your time. Everywhere and anywhere except for 
the thing that needed to be done. Yeah. And, that, and that's the hard thing usually. You know, that's usually the thing in our list that requires some energy or thought or creativity or make forming some new connections to get it done. And you're 100% right, Nick. I even learned this through a, a leadership uh, uh, product management leadership uh, course, you know, a while back, which was essentially them saying, you know, take your top three and take the hardest of those top three and do it first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Not at 2 p.m., not at 3 p.m., like 9 a.m. Before email, that hard subject that you've been ignoring or, you know, or maybe you haven't been ignoring, it's just on your list, that needs to get the best of your energy. Yeah. Um, and we even found this in coaching. Like, you know, for example, like when I'll tell clients, uh, uh, you know, helping them prioritize time for some creative work that they're trying to do or forming a vision for their life or work, you know, oftentimes I've seen them prioritize it towards the end of the day. They got all the work done, nine to five, and then they're trying to do the thing that requires the most energy and creative work from that 6 to 7.30 before dinner. They're starving. They got no energy left. They're almost in an empty tank. And they've been trying to do it. I, you know, I was having this conversation with one of my clients. They've been trying to do it for four weeks that way. Mm -hmm. It wasn't getting done. It was just getting skipped because there was never enough energy. Of course. And then they moved it to the top of the agenda. Now it happens what from happened? 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Way different energy, way different results. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not rocket science. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a rule with myself around meditation. It's not a hard rule, but more or less is if I don't do my meditation in the morning, then I don't, don't do it. Yeah. Because I found I used to spend more time and energy thinking about meditating than actually meditating. And I would sit there, okay, well, I didn't do it at eight. I need to do this. All right, well, I'll do it at nine. And then nine o'clock comes. Oh, well, you know, I got to uh, eat breakfast. And then no, I'll do it at 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock comes. Oh, well, you know. And then I'm spending so much time and energy and prana thinking about doing this thing and putting it off, procrastinating on my spiritual practice to the point when it's like, okay, I do it in the morning. If I don't, I move on. And that's okay. And that's fine. So there's got to be also, I think we should add in here a piece of like being gentle with ourselves and easy with ourselves as we're trying to learn how to create boundaries and systems and processes. Like if you've never set a boundary, then setting a boundary is new and can be really hard. If you've never said no before, the first time you say no, it might get a little messy. It might get a little ugly. It might not come off right. It might come off like overly aggressive or insecure. You got to practice these things to get better at them so that they become habits. They become second nature. A, a great tip that I got from my coach, Pat Rigsby, was he set me up for this like in a call like a year ago. He was like, all right, we were talking about boundaries. We were talking about priorities and, and pushing things forward. And he said, Nick, he said, you know, would you ever miss a meeting with a client? And I said, no, like never, of course. He goes, well, he goes, would you ever miss a meeting with yourself? And I was like, yeah, I probably do that all the time. And in that moment, I realized I have more priority and value over my time with other people than I do over my time with myself. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, so he said his tip was for exercise, for meditation, for whatever, is he schedules it into his calendar. So it'll say, you know, three to four exercise yep. for Pat. And, and what he said, the key there was it's a non-negotiable. It doesn't get missed. It doesn't get canceled. And I was like, that is just... 
that's so good. And I really liked how he set me up to see the teaching for myself of I'm not prioritizing myself as a coach who teaches people how to do that. And I yeah. would say I'm pretty good at it. You sound like you're really damn good at it. What I love too, Nathan, is that you're in the corporate world and you've set so many boundaries and you've gotten yourself so productive that you're able to take a day off from work every other week. I don't know how many people out there can do that. One, one, get it done, and two, have the balls to actually do it. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I, what I love about having you in these conversations is you're in this world where I'm not. Right? I've been out of the corporate world for ten years, so I'm not as connected to it as you are. So, like, can you talk about that of how you've actually set up yourself to take a day off from work to focus on your goals and dreams every other week? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah and I was, you know, I was reading about this uh, a while back. I read some article. I want to say maybe at the beginning of when I started to do this, which was talking about how taking a Friday off to focus on creating your dream was worth it. And that standing up for that, making it known to your boss that this was something you cared about uh, is a risk worthwhile. And I actually, I think, you know, I learned that a little bit early on in my career because I was always trying to figure out what was it that I was excited about. You know, I started out working in finance initially. I then actually transitioned into a role in marketing, which from there transitioned into a role in product management. And each of those transitions, and to this day, I now find myself, I get me more and more comfortable with transitions. But each of those transitions required a difficult conversation with my then manager to say, hey, Here's what I've learned in this role. Here's what I'm not learning that I would really like to be learning that I've now learned about myself, you know, because, it, you know, I didn't know certain things a couple of years ago. And I now understood that this is the type of work that really energizes me. So I want to go in this direction. Right. Each of those times I was, you know, lucky enough that I had a manager that was supportive. I also had good performance. So I was doing my job on hand mm -hmm. at the time, I wasn't just letting that down. Right. So which made the conversation a little bit easier. And then for them to support me to say, okay, this is an employee that has good performance, good work ethic. They get along with people. They have aspirations to do something different. They actually, you know, help me connect with the right people in the organization. That's how I made those transitions. Wow. To this day now, right, my entire team, my, uh, I'm at the Intuit Corporate Responsibility Team. That entire team knows that I coach. They know that I want to be a coach. They know that in a couple of years, I will become a full-time coach. That's like mm. my aspiration. That's the work that really excites me. And I've made it known to people. Um, I've even offered it to people that have expressed interest in wanting to be coached at work. And they know that I take every other Monday off to coach. It's not a mystery mm. day. They know exactly. So uh, it's now to the point, Nick, that I'm actually at the cusp of making my next decision where I'm going to say I'm going to take three Mondays off a month to coach because I see the need to start increasing the work I dedicate here. And I'm also seeing that I'm able to uh, manage that with the time off I get from Intuit. So, I, you know, I don't really have to take, you know, any kind of a pay adjustment necessarily. I can just use my vacation days. I'll have less vacation to take, but that's, you know, I can manage that another way. But when I leaned into this conversation, it was literally having, having that conversation with your manager to make it known what you desire and, and being frank that, hey, you know, long term, five, 10 years down the road, this is what I think I want to do. So I, hence, I'm taking some now, time now to explore it, 
to learn, to practice, to work. Um, I've at least found, I mean, Intuit is an amazing company, but I've found that when you're at a company and or with a manager slash team that is actually worthy of you being part of it, they will respect those choices and in fact mm-hmm. will encourage you to find the right balance. You know, yes, of course, you know, I still have to get work done and prioritize it and make sure that there's progress. But managers understand that people, especially these days, have lots of interests, that their nine to five isn't their entire life. And so when folks are actually pursuing something like a hobby or a project or whatever, it actually keeps you more engaged at work. Um, Interesting. My brother-in-law at Facebook, I'll just share a quick example. They offer woodworking classes. What does work, woodworking have to do with building software or AI or VR? Nothing. It just They've just found that when people can pursue some part of their hobby while being at work, they are better employees. They're more productive. They're ha- well, happier employees. There's a study I read that said happier salespeople sell at a 50% higher rate than unhappy salespeople. I mean, if you want to affect the bottom line... All you need to do, it sounds like, is help your client, help your your employees feel empowered and supported and happy. I mean, what I what I love here, Nitin, is that you've had you've developed so much confidence. Like when you just said that, I don't know how many people are listening that were taken back by the fact that you are taking off time from work to coach, that your company knows that, and that you've made it clear within the next five years you will most likely not be working there. I mean, some people might hear that and say that's almost career suicide. Like you're you're gonna limit your career path at Intuit by being honest and forthcoming, and also so confident and clear in your vision. And your I mean your language was in the next two to three years I will be a full time coach. So anyone listening, I, I I hope you heard that as Nitin was walking through his dreams. Like he's not saying, oh you know this might happen. I would like for this to happen. He's saying this is going to happen, and I'm so confident that I'm willing to share my vision with people and it might have some repercussions. I mean, it's not, it's not going to in the grand scheme of things, but it could hurt your career at Intuit. I think that is amazing that you have done that, that you've shared that and then you've had the the courage to, to tell people where you are. I mean, God, I mean, I think if more of us could operate like that, we'd be happier in our works and, our, and in our lives and we would create more of the realities we want. So I'm just so impressed that you've, you've done that and you're, and you're speaking that I'm sure there's going to be people that are going to go, well, shit, if Nitin can do it, then I, maybe I can too. And they'll, they'll, this, and you're probably already having those conversations. I, I wouldn't this, doubt it. Uh, I would bet, bet this live stream and this podcast, right, is going to be available for people to hear. And yeah. frankly, I post all of these on my LinkedIn profile. My VP comes and likes many of those posts. Uh, really? So, you know, yes, there is a part of a work culture thing into it as a very employee friendly culture. But it's also, you know, I think there's something about like pe- people know that when I'm at work, I'm 110% at work. I'm really giving it all. Like, I haven't asked my team this, but I wouldn't be surprised if I did. And they would say, oh yeah, wait, he does take that Monday off every other day? They probably don't notice because I know I get so much done in those nine days because of the focus and, you know, just making work happen strategically. Uh, and, And frankly, also thanks to the grace of God, can't deny that. He's made a lot of things easier, for sure. Uh, that there's, I'm making ton of progress. So they're like, fine, if we want to take a day off every other week, you know, so be it. We don't want to hire anyone else. Yeah. 
and I think that there's a part of that actually, by the way, you know, when you're early on in your career and you're just learning the ropes, you do need to dedicate all your time to learning your mm-hmm. trade. But once you establish some competence in your trade, like, you know, I was a senior product manager before I made any of these decisions to be able to take a day off. I knew what I can do and I knew what I could do well. And using that, I know I can deliver value. So there's an aspect of recognizing that you don't have to be taken for granted, nor do you have to disrespect Mm -hmm. anyone. It's just about finding the right balance that both serves your workplace well, as well as serves your own interests well. That's it. Yeah. And how do you mesh those together into one one reality, one way of working, one way of being, and then you don't have to worry about work-life balance because then there is no such thing. It's life. And how do you want to allocate your time and your energy in your life? Well, one day, two days a month, you're allocating it to developing your coaching practice and your skills and working with clients. The other time you're not. And it's we talked about on this last our last call with uh, with Stephen of the yogic philosophy of Abhyasa and Vairagya. Mm-hmm. which is 100% effort and non-attachment to the results. And that's what I'm hearing in you now. Like when I'm, when I'm at work, I'm at work fully. No distractions. I'm focused. I'm primed. I'm ready to go. And my work speaks for itself. And the people around me have a deep respect because they watch that. And when I'm meditating, I'm meditating. When I'm coaching, I'm coaching. When I'm with my wife, I'm with my wife. And that's the secret, I think, of how we develop success, productivity, joy, happiness, all in the same same reality rather than having them to be separate it's 100 percent effort whatever you're doing be all in and be unattached to the results and kind of lay them at the feet of the gods i've done my best and now it's up for the universe to decide what to do with the, this labor it's not up for me to decide how that works and when you can be unattached that's when you can have cor- courage to ask for what you want to ask for what you desire because so what if they don't so what to go back to so what if they get someone gets upset or someone gets jealous Right or someone is is gets their feathers ruffled because you were willing to ask for what you want. I mean, you created the position you're in by being willing to ask for what you want, right? And this is right. this is huge stuff. That's right. Yeah, and I mean, now I, you know, I, I speak with a couple PM groups here and there that you know where where so many product managers are actually trying to asking the same question of how can I have an impact a meaningful impact towards climate change that a cause that I care about, but I'm, you know, in whatever X, Y, Z role today, how do I move in this direction? And I'm helping others recognize like, Hey, there's a path forward, you know, and and a lot of these things make, I learned from you. So, you know, frankly, you know, if it wasn't for a lot of the work we did together, I mean, you were frankly my first coach. That's how I even learned what coaching was. And I gained to appreciate the impact that it has. And then as I started working with my, you know, with clients, you know, it wasn't always clear for me. I couldn't always say that I wanted that I'm going to be a full-time coach, but at first it was like, man, this thing is powerful. I think I could be good at it. I'm going to go learn. So I started dedicated time to learn. So at first those one or two days off was just about learning. And then as I started having you know, fat friends and family to practice coaching with that, you know, really gave me the opportunity to spend some time with them. I learned like, wow, yeah, I can make a difference. You know, this stuff really does work. And, you know, I'm, we're, I'm still doing coaching with you, right? We're part of a, a group of coaches where we're all trying to develop and raise our, our skill set in the game. And from that, I've learned 
how to be a really effective coach. So now that I work with clients and, you know, thankfully now working with paid clients, really starting to learn, like really starting to feel that impact. It's been in the last couple of months that it's become really clear that, okay, I'm, I know I'm going to be a full-time coach. Is that going to be the end all be all? I kind of also know that it's not, I don't know what it's, what the end all be all will be, but for now, you know, the point I just want to make is these realizations, one, come through making time for yourself, spending time with yourself to, to reflect and, and reflect on your life expenses, reflecting on the, the day-to-day of what you're going through or what you're feeling, right? For me, it was these gradual unfoldment of experiences and then confirming that, yeah, in fact, coaching is an amazing path for me and it really resonates with my soul. So yes, it's time to you know keep doubling down, keep learning, keep investing, keep serving, uh, and then the language continues to become clearer and clearer. Now, of course, from a yogic perspective, we know if you kind of have an inclination towards something you really want, but haven't necessarily proven it for yourself in you know real day-to-day experience, you can still go in with the affirmation, and that's still going to mm-hmm. propel you much more powerfully. But I think for everyone else, just know that it is a gradual experience. And as long as you are, again, prioritizing yourself, reflecting on the life experiences, reflecting on what energizes you, what doesn't energize you, and then prioritize the pieces that do, the the snowball effect just keeps building up. Your life just keeps building up with more and more joy, more and more progress, more and more impact. And it's, all of this stuff is simple, and, and that doesn't mean it's easy. Those are those are those are different different things. Uh, but man, the, you've got to envision what you want and be willing be willing to go after it, right? And be willing to go create it, and be willing to get messy, and to mess up, and to have conversations that are scary. You know, to ask for what you want can be scary, and then you know this can be in your relationship at work. This can be in your relationship at home. Right. Hey, I, this is what I want. This is what I desire. This is what I need. Am I willing to ask for that? And this is, I love what you just said around this is, these are skills that we learn and we practice, you know, and, and a way to do this is that Nitin just referred to is to work with yourself. You know, we talked about priming. Okay. How am I going to be in the world today? You know, one that I use is I'm calm and confident. That's one that I'll repeat to myself. I'm calm and confident. Like, how do I want to show up in the world? Calm and confident. That's okay. That's how I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna be. Other days it shifts. Today, I, today I am present. Today I'm. I am loving. Today I am unstoppable. And whatever these I am statements are, yeah. those can be the fuel that push you forward when you get scared, when you don't want to. I don't know. Should I have this conversation? Well, I am brave. I'm confident. I'm bold. Mm-hmm. Whatever it's gonna work for you, throw these in there and, and practice with these. Right, and you may find. That you know nothing's happening for thirty days, forty days, sixty days, and then all of a sudden, you get yourself in a in a situation where you got to step your game up, and that mantra comes in and it works, right? And that mantra comes in, and it was like, oh wow, I've been practicing for this moment. You know that's why we call these practices. We're practicing for the moments in life that matter, um, and you know having conversations that push us like this and 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 bring awareness to it. I really just appreciate you sharing uh the things you're doing in your corporate job because i think we hear so much like well i can't do this in the corporate world it's easier as an entrepreneur no it's, it's not easy anywhere it's simple but it's not easy so just you're just you're becoming such a great not becoming you are 
such a great example of how to show up in a mindful way and a conscious way and a productive way uh, and in a way that's creating the reality you want. And last thing I would say here is, this is from my teacher, Dennis, that nothing is ever complete. So, you know, we get so hung up on getting things done. We get so hung up on completing our tasks. Like last time I checked, my to-do list has never been completed. In the same way you said, you know, maybe coaching isn't the end-all be-all. It's not. The same way a career is not end-all be-all. You know, we are dynamic beings that are going to shift and grow and change. And, you know, something I've realized for me, for example, is, you know, I've been doing training and teaching yoga and coaching for a decade. And it's like, okay, I need to make a shift because what I started my career doing 10 years ago, my skills are different. My desires are different. My, my, my thoughts are different. So I probably shouldn't be doing the things I was doing 10 years ago. That's probably not going to make me happy. So how do I let go of the past and get present in what, what's alive now and then create the future I want? And that's, that's how we, we do that by being present and by, by having confidence and a willingness to create the worlds we want. And, um, I just feel lucky that we get to live this. We get to talk about this. We get to share this and, and hopefully, you know, inspire other people to, to follow this in themselves the same way that it's happening with you. It's happened with me. It's going to happen for other people as well. I mean, this is how we elevate the consciousness. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, I think we see the other side, right? We see now what yeah. an empowered life can look like and feel like and totally. how amazing and beautiful it can be once you get the, some of these foundations in place and you start to introduce some discipline and boundaries, you can create literally the life you want, you know, and, uh, and nothing short of it. So that's why even, you know, like a month ago, I had this kind of realization of like, I was, I felt like I wasn't showing up as my full self. And I really felt like, man, what I'm doing here, what I think I'm capable of doing here is helping people realize that their dream life is possible. And I I got enough of a conviction around that, that I was like, okay, I'm going to go change my LinkedIn title to from, I think it said purpose coach uh, to dream life coach. And now all my conversations with my clients are all about like, Hey, what, what, what's the kind of life that you're trying to create? What are you trying to create for yourself? Let's actually envision the type of life you would like, and then let's create towards it together. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's cr- remove those unblocker, you know, blockers from the way. Last thing I'll share, Nick, because um, I know we're at time, is when you were talking about, you know, how do I show up, or maybe do I show up with courage? Uh, how do I start to have some of these conversations, maybe at work, because people have this belief of it doesn't happen in the corporate world, etc. The one belief that, at least for me, I feel carried me through that whole entire year when I was making these massive changes was. Uh, asking this question of am I being true to myself and then stating the affirmation of I'm going to be true to myself. Mm. You know, there's no other way to live because I wouldn't want to live that way. So I'm going to be true to myself. How do I walk the, the tightrope on this? So that when I make it known at work or I make it known in my family, same thing. I have these tough conversations with my wife because I'm changing our schedule all the time, right? So in all of these places, as you start to be true to yourself, you're going to become happier and happier and more fulfilled because you're doing exactly that which you care about and feel is your calling. But walking the path in a way that's not leaving broken glass everywhere, whether that's at work, at family, everywhere else. Yeah. 
I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, I was talking to a friend about that yesterday. How do we how do we make conscious present moment decisions that also don't like steamroll other people's lives around us? <laughs> you know, and that's real stuff. Then you know, the last thing I'll add in here is that the physical world we live in is malleable. It is, it's like Play-Doh to a large extent. You can design it and shift it and shape it to be whatever you want. And it all starts in your mind with a thought. Whatever you think, say, and do, you manifest. So if you think negative thoughts, if you think you can't, if you think you're not worthy, if you think you're less than, that's the reality you will create. Inversely, if you say to yourself, I am divine, I am prosperous, I'm loving, I'm abundant, I'm powerful, I'm confident, that's the reality you will start to create in your, in your life, in the people around you, in the things you do, in your worlds. And it, again, this is, it's simple. It really is. And again, not easy. And there's going to be challenges that come up. And that's what, that's what makes the spiritual path so awesome. You know, as a spiritual warrior, there is no good or bad. There's only challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all, and, the, and the way through challenge is forward. And to have these confidence and will and, and trust and faith. Um, but yeah, for anyone listening, know that we're not just talking about these things. These are things that you and I have done and we're not saying this to brag. This is a way to say if we can do it, so can you, whatever you put your mind to, you think, whatever you think, saying, do you manifest? So manifest the reality you want and start with just asking yourself the question, what do I want? (laughs) What do I desire? You know, know, one I had to ask myself in my mid twenties was a, if I were to die, would I have been happy with my life? And they, I, and I received a resounding no when I asked that question. And that was the, that was the question that led me to, leave, to quit my corporate job and, and leave and follow my dreams. I mean, that was an extreme question, but it was a real one. And when I said to myself, no, I wouldn't be satisfied with my life if I were to die today, it was like, okay, well, then I have a choice and it's time to either move forward or, or not. And, uh, Everyone else listening, you got you can all do that too. So ask yourself the question: What do I want? What am I willing to create? And also, what am I not willing to put up with? What am I not willing to deal with? And get those things out of your life and start from there. And uh, I would say, you know, anyone listening, reach out to us. You have questions, you need some insights. Follow our our social media accounts. Listen to this. Email us. We are happy to respond. We're happy to assist and serve on uh, the path to creating the realities that you all want. You know, be a landscaper of your life. Yeah, design it. End it with, with the, exactly. Well, cool. All right, Nick. That was that beautiful. Was a conscious conversation. I love that. No plan, no format, just present moment. Present moment. That's how we do it. I love it. That's how we roll. All right, signing off for our listeners for today. Thank you for joining us for the conversation. Absolutely. And uh, have confidence, trust yourself. And uh, create the realities you want, everyone. All right. Much love. Sign them off. Thanks for listening in. If you want any more information about our guests today, uh, about any of the sessions or, or offerings that were presented, uh, as well as about myself, Nitin, or Nick here, you can find all the links to our websites and how to get in touch with us through the episode notes. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you heard, share it with friends and family, spread the love, spread the collective consciousness and help us raise the consciousness as a whole.